Hello and welcome back to Diaries of a Lady Gardener. If you think gardening is cool and would rather take a trip to the garden centre than go out out, you found the right podcast, but also you're not in the minority. Research from Draper Tools has revealed that over 80% of people officially think gardening is cool, mainly because of its benefits for mental health and the environment. Draper Tools are sponsors of the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, so why not join me in following them on Instagram, at draper underscore tools. In this episode, I got to chat to Mark and Daniel from Surreal Succulents about the plants that have always been a bit of a mystery to me. Confession, I'm in the Succulent Houseplant Killer Club, and I'm not proud of it. It was fab to hear about their history, their RHS Gold Award winning displays, and their most exciting launch of the Symponium. If you've not seen it, definitely do check it out. Whether you've not got a clue about succulents or you're an avid collector, you'll love hearing what they have to say, so enjoy! Hi Mark and Dan, how are you? Hello Shannon. I'm good thanks, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) Alexa went off in the background. (laughs) (laughs) This is a brilliant start. Um, Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, Thank you for coming on the podcast. I know you two are very busy. We've we've had a busy year, yes, yes, you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Busy lately, randomly, even though it's winter, but Yep. People always say that winter is the bit when the garden goes to bed, but it's just absolutely not true. No, not with our plants. We've got plants that grow all year round, so they don't they don't sleep for us. We have to keep keep on them all year round. So so we're quite busy. <laughs> um, your polytunnel earlier looked absolutely majestic, like exactly the kind of thing you want to see in the winter when outside everything just looks brown. Yeah, we've um we've been putting everything up recently, so we're trying to get it all looking smart till. Till we hit the shows next spring so so it gives them about five to six months in in a fresh new compost mix and then they're ready to be shown at the shows next year amazing so um it's also their growing season for some of our plants and yeah and usually oh really so, yeah because like um aliens will grow in the in the cooler months rather than like in the summer they get dormant so they look I mean, they're not looking their best, but come February, they look stunning. But they are growing at the moment, surprisingly enough. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I have to admit, I'm a bit of a succulent rookie. I would say I didn't even realise that they grew outside until, like, in this country until this year. Um, really? But the displays at Hampton Court Palace in Chelsea were two, like, big highlights of the year. And then I was really like, these are these are hell of a cool plants. <laughs> getting on it some of them like some are hardy to um like minus 50 minus 20 just people don't know it yeah so and that's what we're trying to get not all succulents are hardy don't give me a full sense let me give you a full sense of security but <laughs> there are hardy succulents <laughs> i think i just assumed because of the high water content that they would be the type of plant that would just wilt in the cold yeah 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 there are but they're just, they've adapted their whole kind of set set up and they can survive quite cold co- conditions so yes yeah, exactly. they are quite, with breeding our breeding program is quite interesting so, so well, yeah. we'll definitely talk about that in a minute but can we go back right to the beginning for both of you I don't know who wants to go first but where did your sort of like love of growing things begin uh well for me it started um well as a child really 
I used to grow um, runner beans for my mum. So we used mm-hmm. to collect the little seeds. And because they grew really fast, I really got into it really quickly. And I just just loved seeing plants grow and how when you water them and how they how they react off watering. And then you learn about feeding. And then like I think for this about 10 to 12 years running, I grew runner beans in the back garden for my parents every year. So obviously I worked out that growing them in the same spot every year wasn't wasn't great (laughs) and lush the the following years but but something you learn as you go along but I used to love nature used to climb trees I wanted to look in every single bird nest and just yeah I was always outside so but that's kind of I've just been embedded in me really from a young age I think Mark's similar with um standard granddad answer um, like I don't know like my my, you know what? Uh, my granddad were like my granddad was a farmer so they used to collect seaweed off the beaches and they're like proper old school like wall babies they never threw anything away and then they had their own allotments so they grew a lot of their own food so they used to get dragged down there as a kid but loved it and um you know they, but they they grow like everything and freeze all their fruit and you know just like old school how people should should live before like supermarkets took off <laughs> so but yeah I used to just get go down there um and just spend as much time as I could down at their allotment um that's how you know that's how I, it was just like it was I did it so young it was just like natural to just understand plants and then um it's a bit geeky but I got into growing coral oh, okay uh, long long story short I had an accident I was I was in a wheelchair so I, I couldn't really do much. So I, I kind of just got really geekly into trace elements and what corals need. And then it's like a transferable knowledge or skill for plants. So it's quite interesting because like Dan's more horticultural than me, but we can have these chats about, you know, why is it doing that? And like try and go into the science of, of our plants a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't, sounds amazing. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean the science is correct. <laughs> We can just have a conversation about it, but it's um yeah, that's that's how I go into it. Yeah, we're still doing tests every every year, don't we? We do tests and new soil mixes and all that. So, but yeah, definitely getting there with that. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it gives us different theories as well, doesn't it? From obviously Dan's background, um, working on some micros mammoths. I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But talking about trace elements and what Cornwall's made of and. You know, same about my granddad grabbing seaweed and stuff off the beach, like all that sort of thing. Like we just think about things differently, I guess. But a lot of people do in Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually not too far; just a bit further along the coast in Devon. Oh yeah. Awesome. I was going to say, where are you two? <laughs> <laughs> where are you two? Um, so I'm North Devon. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. North Coast. Have you ventured down this way much? Um, not as much as I, I should know. really. I've maybe been to Cornwall like three times in my life. Um, got somebody goes to Cornwall. A lot of people from Devon have, but I don't. We, just because we do our scones properly, but um, no, yeah. let, we're not even getting into that. <laughs> we don't have to. We know we do it properly. <laughs> For anyone listening, it's cream first and then jam because the cream oh, is like the butter. You would never put jam on your toast before you put the butter on. I disagree. I disagree. I it does actually taste different. It does. Have you tried it both ways? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, so you can't get 
what so I've worked in social media marketing not now but for years prior and every year we would always do scones both ways just sort of scones both ways to try it out but I've never been convinced that uh, the jam should be on first yeah well you were probably because you've got the Devon cream and not the Cornish clutter cream (laughs) to be fair it's actually quite hard to get hold of Devon cream in Devon I would say that the uh is it Rodders that's the one you can buy everywhere other other brands are available (laughs) I don't know if any other brands couldn't name a single other we make it we make it ourselves down here don't we Dan oh yeah we make it ourselves yeah yeah well we make the jam ourselves so (laughs) nice what's to bring some down and we'll uh we'll make a new uh a new product yeah definitely (laughs) um no I definitely should go to Cornwall more often I've got like plans with about 20 different people that I know in Cornwall to go and visit them um I think the only times I've ever been is to visit like the Eden Project and the Lost Gardens of Heligan but I know loads about other cool places but they're the only two that I've ever really probably visited it's really interesting obviously we're in Penzance we're like eight miles from Land's End so if you were or anyone listening to come down this way, you've got St. Michael's Mount, mm-hmm. which has got strong connections to anyone that grew up in Penzance, because basically a castle on a rock in the bay, which Daniel lived on for ages. Um, you've got Tremonier Sculpture Gardens, which is where our nursery's based. So you've got mm-hmm. a 26 acre sculpture garden with um, the world's best nursery. <laughs> and um, you've got yeah. the Minot Theatre, which is quite heavy, heavy, succulent garden as well which is really cool but you've also got the actual theatre mm. so it's like a, a lady carved a, a theatre into a cliff <laughs> and then the, all the gardens are kind of I think it's the only plants that live there because it's right on the like literally right on the beach um, mm. so this that's full of succulents as well so that's you know if you if you came down you probably need two days to, just to get around those three places yeah yeah the Trengwayton and Chewidden gardens as well that you can... yeah there's a, there's some nice spring gardens isn't there yeah 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 so you know really old um magnolias and, and there's a there's Marb gardens which has got a special meaning to Morab Morab or Mar- Mar- we call it Mar- 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 gardens which is just <laughs> a garden in Penzance that everyone goes to but the planting in there is phenomenal you've got like massive magnolias which will be kicking off soon um it's full of succulents it's got and three glauca, you know, Australian grass trees, um, cycads. It's got, it's like, it just shows you how diverse the climate is down here because you've literally got a bit of everything in there. You've got the restios. Um, I'm not sure the, the, the like green stick plants are growing wet pondy gardens that you always well, see. The, They're cool. They're in there. And all the, around, um, like, Jonkus effusus type. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's nice the Latin for it, one of type yeah. of them, maybe. I'm not big on Latin. Just I had to learn it for an exam, so it's probably the only bit of Latin I know. Well, they describe it well, though. They like it can grow. It can grow in yeah. wet, like actual water, but like a know, bog plant. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. It's a Latin. There you go. Perfect. Christmas book is it? <laughs> It'll be in there. Junkus suffuses. I think that. I don't know if it's the junkus bit or the effuses bit, but you can put different words on it, and then there's like the one that's really like spirally. There's like some that are really straight. Some that yeah. are yeah. like a bit wild. Another one. They use them a lot in in show gardens at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. We saw. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. They're very cool. Yeah, like so, 
lots of gardens to visit in Cornwall. I will make a trip um, soon that's with just, my mum. That's, that's literally just down, down our way. So, and there's yeah, like the major ones that you've already said, Eden, Elegance. And can um, you three, can you visit gardens. the nurseries? Can people come and walk around, or is it a closed? Our nursery. Well, we've got the retail outlet, Tremere Sculpture Gardens, um, and that that's doubled in size this year. Oh wow! So just before the pandemic, we extended the nursery, hmm. um, and it's it's quite unusual for us down there because obviously we we are surreal succulents, but also part of our brief of being at Tremere Sculpture Gardens is that we have to reflect the because basically Tremere's got so many rare plants that are collected from all over the world, like. You know, like it's really hard to know what they are. Like they're not even out yet, or anything are they, Dan? They're just like no, yeah. You know, so to, to, to that also pushes me because I, I don't need just do succulents. I used to do a lot of herbaceous and perennials and stuff like that years ago. So because I love all plants, um, it's quite nice to dapple with different types and try different techniques. I quite enjoy that. So, but yeah, they, they are interesting. They're very. Some are very difficult, but we, we seem to be getting quite a good strike rate on them, so that's good. So yeah, it's it's more yeah, like all the stuff people are getting into now, like Mahonias, Restios, mm. um what's, that? what's the you got some weird piney tree thingies? <laughs> what's that what's that what's Wollomy that one that say it again, sorry? Oh the Wallamy Pine, or is it those um weeping ones? Oh yeah, I can't remember their name. Both of them, all of them. Yeah, bananas. So, so basically our, our nurseries is so different to everyone else because we we grow it all ourselves so we, we've got our you know rare collection of succulents but also we've got all this rare access was really rare stuff in Tremonier sculpture gardens you know and the owner of the gardens um you know he's always like go on boys go and get some of this we've got me selling this people are asking for it and so it's really yeah it's, it's you know it's it, it makes our nursery just so different which is cool as well um we try to reflect our website as much as possible so whatever we do on the website we're trying to do down at the nursery as well so it's either you know you're getting the same experience online as you are visiting the nursery um but our, our actual nursery nursery is um we're not insured to have people visit i'm afraid oh, okay. <laughs> we are working on that and potentially in the future we might be able to do something so but we are working on that yeah side of things yeah, that would be really cool. To be fair, yeah. it sounds like an amazing place to walk around, um, even just the retail space. And what a unique opportunity as well to be able to have access to all of those amazing plants. Oh, it's yeah, it's very we're very lucky, and we're we, we all we thank them every day that we we're there. So so it's it's great, great. great we always put on um, displays as well. Like we, we, we you know um, we'll put an early season display, and then we'll do like a, a celebrationy thing of like. A kind of like blend of all our show gardens this season we'll kind of put that down at the nursery in august as well so i we think giveaways don't we mark as well yeah just to, just to plug our nursery one more time and <laughs> another another really cool thing about it is it, it doesn't look the same every week so because we do stock runs every couple of days and we just yeah. literally take down what's ready what's you know what's coming into flower what you know so it, it's it can be that you can visit it two or three times in a week and it'd be different slightly every day every time and sometimes some people especially request like can you get some more stuff down here so we go our way to make sure we get some more stuff down there mm. that's only when we're not at shows <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
how have the shows been this year? Because obviously it was like a bit of a year off the shows in 2020. How is it going back to them this year? Um, scary and phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was crazy. It was yeah. but the buzz, the buzz was ridiculous. We never thought we'd be you 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 don't realise how much of a high it is, especially Chelsea. Like the especially with the gold medals as well. Oh yeah, quite yeah. sure. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but just, I don't know. I think because everyone had come out of lockdown, it had this whole different, I mean, we don't know because, you know, it was our first time at Chelsea, but, you know, even Hampton Court they'd done before, all of it was just buzzing. And everyone, you know, everyone, everyone just kind of knew a bit more. They knew a bit more what they wanted rather than, yeah. you know, just people just coming out and going, I want this, I want that. Like talk, just talking about loads of, plant stuff rather than you know you go oh you, you might want to grow this you might want to grow that that sort of thing like everybody's they're just full of energy weren't they Mark? everybody yeah. like, the adrenaline was just everywhere because they're just so happy to be out and be in that atmosphere it was just it was you could just feel it Hampton Court was was great because they had loads of fans so it was continuously blowing fresh air and everyone had to wear masks it's too worrying well, everyone just felt um, safe mm. as well. Do you know what I mean the RHS did a great job of, you know, spreading it all out and, and making it, you know, COVID compliant, all of that stuff. I mean, we were super anxious because, you know, down here in Cornwall, we had no very little COVID sort of thing, and then um, now we've got like the most because <laughs> like, I, I don't want to say it's because everyone came down in the summer, but do you know what I mean like we've gone from like nothing to like one of the worst places, so. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, and and having very little of it and not being used to it to go into shows was like super like anxious. But we just kind of felt like we had to because we did so much social media wise and things really took off like our Instagram lives and things like that. that we just kind of felt like duty bound to kind of go and put on a you know a good show for everyone to enjoy. And that's what my mum kept saying to me. She said, it's not about it's not about you feeling scared of COVID. I think it's about making people happy to just come and see your plants, which is kind of like, if you know, I just had that inside, like mom said, we've got to do it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. And, it, and just, yeah, once you, once you got used to being around people again, because, you know, we were so isolated, um, it was just phenomenal. And, and then Chelsea again was like another level up, wasn't it? It was like, we were buzzing because it was like lifelong dream for Dan, real challenge for, for the, for us. Um, and just, just super cool as well you know like and just everyone I think the difference between Chelsea was it was we were really proud of it when like we're proud of all of our show gardens but we we planned Chelsea for a year and um before it got before it got cancelled oh wow and then, and then um and then it got postponed and then and then we got to do it and but we also yeah. got the wrong size display garden when we first applied, didn't we? So yeah, it was it was like it was meant to be because we we were only allowed a six meter garden and we'd done a design that was you know for a nine meter and we we're just begging and begging and, and I was just going like oh Dan it doesn't work the balance is off and I was getting like major OCD about what we could do and it's like I, di I didn't want to compromise so we kept writing these emails going like guys and they were just like look it's your first time chill out sort of thing you know. <laughs> And then uh, because it got postponed, a few people dropped out. So that we got the extra meterage. Amazing. 
So that was, it was like it was meant to be, sort of thing, you know? It was a good, it's, it's like a good thing that came out of lockdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a big display. Yeah, a lot of people don't be at Chelsea. We've, we've got a few, we're working with a few other Chelsea designers up there. So we're going to be doing a few bits for next season. So oh, amazing. Yeah. I um I think at the flower shows this year, I again I've never been before, but I think because so many people sort of like found a bit of a a love of plants in lockdown, there were, people had so much more time to kind of like educate themselves and really like get to know plants that weren't just your typical kind of like what you'd see in the garden center. So like uh, for me especially, I'd been growing things for like a year or two before, but the time over lockdown was when I really 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 like fell in love with it properly and then yeah. started like researching more unique varieties and not just growing the standard like run-of-the-bill stuff that everyone grows because it's what you know um mm. so I think that you could really tell that there was that sort of like another level of interest at the flower shows mm. definitely it, definitely a lot yeah because a lot more people came with more I guess technical knowledge you call it I mean, they, they kind of like, I've got this and I'm doing this. Like, what do you think I should try next? Right, that's not what we normally get asked when we've done it at shows. No, no, no. Usually, gets quite simple questions, the same ones every single time. But they were a lot, yeah, a lot more. Which is, which is what we love. Definitely. So you want diversity in, in the questions because you're otherwise just saying the same thing over and over every day. But we don't mind that. It's just part of the part of the job. But it's nice getting asked slightly different questions. So. Mm-hmm. And you had so many amazing varieties. I mean, we're going to have to talk about symponiums, obviously. What about those? <laughs> Where did it all begin with the symponiums? Well, it kind of, it, this started about, or maybe like the thought process of it all was about five, six years ago, maybe longer than that. It's about working with the plants to try and produce hardiness. So because years ago when I used to sell uh, succulents on a stool people's confidence wasn't there in the plants that you get people walk past and they'll say oh mine died and then they just carry on walking they wouldn't even bother looking at them and, and that really w- would upset you and um so I was like but this one's hardy and they're just like nah so th- that that was the main main thing is trying, trying to produce something that's hardy and that's where it all start, started and we had a we had a with with the symponium itself. We had um we had a test between the aeoniums and the sempervivums to see if we could get um the genes tested and see how closely related they were. And they said they're within the same family. They're well, the sempervivums on in the Alpines, and you've got you've got where the aeoniums grow is in the Canarians. So they're not geographically that far apart. So. We thought, why not give it a try? You know, never, never know what's going to happen. So, so yeah, we just made them do something a bit dirty, really. So. <laughs> it's quite a night. <laughs> yeah, they had a good, they had a very good night, and um, they produced something quite beautiful. <laughs> very beautiful, and there's quite a few different ones now, isn't there? In there different are, and ways. And we're going next generation with them as well, which is quite interesting. And this is what I love to do, and it's just it's getting that time to be able to to spend time with them and and do that that dirty business because <laughs> they, they really enjoy it like Dan, Dan what is what is the dirty business they well you know 
I don't know. Actually, you don't, do you? No, it's well, a, you, get your, you get your bumblebee costume on, isn't it? I get my bumblebee costume on. I really dress up for it. It's, um, it's a bit small for me now, but I still still look good in it. Um, but, you've got you've got like a rig in them, so you can you can levitate. Is that right? I, fly? Yeah, rig up, and I just levitate above the flower heads of these plants, and I play an audio sound of bzzz, and then just go for it. And and yeah, it's um. It's it's a long process. I was in like last lockdown. I was in the um, I was in the greenhouse two three hours every evening, just just cross pollinating these plants. So, but we've got some quite nice ones. We showed today on our Instagram live of um, mm-hmm. some varieties that we've got coming out. Do you um, have a favorite? A favorite. I, I do. Well, from from the beginning, I always chose. Um, this is before we named them all. My, oh, my okay. favorite was because it was just so different so big so lush and it had weird um the veins going through the leaves which was quite interesting it's just a really strong growing plant that's why i chose my favorite um mark's got a favorite he's got mine is symponium sienna because it's named after my daughter um which is quite cool dan dan just kind of no, you just, I don't know, you just bust it out one day, didn't you? This one's been named after your door. Um, and it's also like a sienna red in early spring. It's like an orangey red. Mm. And just, and in the summer, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's literally, you, you see it, you see it planted in with, you know, with other plants or succulents, whatever. And it literally looks like it's been photoshopped in. It just yeah. doesn't, it just doesn't look like it belongs. It's just so red. It's like on fire electric red. You know, when you get it in full sun, um, you're you're going to say this isn't true now, Dan. I know you are, but the the plant called Vortex, because um, basically Dan's um, really fussy about what so plants not we, what, <laughs> what, what plants we select. So you have like you have like I don't know, you pick out like twenty really cool ones, and he's like, oh, we're only allowed to have one, we're only allowed to have one out of this lot, and you're like, but that's really cool as well. I mean, just sit there for ages, just selecting you know, what's going to be our new plants and hybrids and blah, blah, blah whatever. But there's this other one and he, he put it to the back and I kept coming and going, how can you, how can you not like that? This is amazing. We're talking about Symponium Vortex. And then just like the sun came out and, you know, summer started getting underway and just had this amazing spiral in the middle. And it was so like, I think, I think the amazing thing about Symponiums is that there's so, there's so many layers. They're so dense in the, in the heads compared to Aeoniums. And because it had that, like each, imagine each edge of every leaf um, started changing color from green to, you know, like a brownie red. It looked like a spirograph. Um, oh, wow. And mm. I was just like, how can you not want this? And I was like, Dan, if you don't propagate this, I'm just going to fall out of you. And I was like, you know, because basically you've got these amazing plants that um, you don't, we don't know, we don't know enough about them because they're so brand new, but potentially they could be monocarpic. So me and Dan see it, I mean, and then it flowers and then it's gone off the planet. So it's like, you know, it's a race to, to see it, you know, how good they are, a race to propagate them, just see, you know, you, you've got that plant sort of thing. So um, that's the little story of Vortex. Do you agree with that, Dan? Are you going to say you wind him up? Because every time when I see him now, I'm like, look how lush Vortex is. And you want it to just leave it in the corner and flower and die. And he's all like, I was only joking, only joking. I still, I still feel that that plant's just got nothing going for it. 
No, it is a, is a stunning plant. And I might have put it to one side, but I never... I always gave Mark the last little run through. He's like, no, I really want that one. So I was like... So like, like for oh, what you believe in. <laughs> okay, cool. But no, it is, it is a stunning. It is a stunning. It must be yeah. pretty a pretty amazing feeling to create a new plant and be able to name it and be like, wow. It's a name. It's is really, really special. Like, like two a brand new genetic hybrid like between two different species to be able to call them symponiums and be able to do that is really really special they were originally going to be called semperoniums which wouldn't have rolled off the tongue so well mm. but it's like you're inventing a new name as well a new word mm -hmm. which is quite quite cool so it, feel like... it feels like a natural word though it doesn't feel like a made-up word yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like we need to explain what a symponium is. For the, like, well, I kind of, might not kind of know. over it, didn't I? So, but yeah, yeah symponium is uh, aeonium cross sempervivum. So you've got aeoniums, which are quite tall, lush um, plants, succulent plants. And then you've got the sempervivums, which are also known as the hens and chicks. And they grow low to the ground. Uh, they get snowed on in the winter. So they're sat underneath snow or winter in their natural habitat, whereas the oniums will be growing probably in about 10 to 15 degrees Celsius in the Canary Islands, getting winter rain. And so that's when they grow during the winter winter months. So, so yeah, but you, you get you do get some hardy aeoniums, but but there's a lot more hardy sempervivums, and that's why we went down that route. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, tests have come back so far that. They're pretty hardy. Um, minus three, minus four. Uh, we're still waiting for more results. So, yeah, so we we had we had them in our own gardens, sort of minus five, minus six, but not all the symponiums, just um, symponiums here. So the the thought process with um, that cross was sempervirums can be hardy to minus twenty. Oh and wow. Then, uh, yeah, so we, that's where you know that's initially sparked because I'm always like harping on to down like we need. You know, we've got these all these amazing plants, but not all of them are hardy. So if we're doing like a, a garden design or show garden or whatever, you want to do something that people could grow at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, we've been trying to breed hardiness for for years, mm -hmm. um, and yeah. So and you know, some aeoniums will go sort of minus two, minus four. There's the odd one that might go, um, you know, minus six, minus seven. Um, so you mix that with something that can go to minus twenty. Um, that's what the the kind of thinking was the behind the symposium. And, and sculpturally beautiful as well, aren't they? Aeoniums. So that's yeah, yeah. Reasons. So but it's, it's it's really it's really diverse, isn't it? Like you've got some aeoniums that are tiny, but you've got others that are you know six seven foot tall heads that are like the size of a dustbin. Yeah. Um, you've got multiple branching ones. The story of um, the red, how red or burgundy or brown came into aeoniums is quite good because it was just a random um plant found in the wild as if it was put there by the aeonium gods <laughs> they're all all red or brown um aeoniums are across from that original plant found yeah um randomly oh wow and now we're now now it's going crazy with the new variegated plants as well which is oh, i love the variegated ones <laughs> it's like another world within a world it's it's like this is like proper star wars going on now but they're not hardy 
they're not, not... Hard. they're not hard no because they're variegated they're weaker mm-hmm. so but they're beautiful they're colorful they're beautiful but they're just um well it's good because like like we're in winter the colors look better in winter because because they're variegated but mm. um you know the variegations dan can probably tell you a lot more about it do you want to do you want to cover this one down succulent down yeah. So well, yeah, well, the the variegation is obviously like a, a virus within the, in the leaves of the plant, and it does. You get the, the stable variegation, which is um, is what we look for in a variegated plant. And we've got a couple that we've had ourselves at the nursery. Um, it's so when it's stable, and we can then propagate that plant and produce more of that same plant, that makes it viable for selling at a nursery, but. But we do get some that aren't that stable, but also look very beautiful. And um, I think we had one called Aeonium dodrantalis variegata a few years ago, which we sold on our, we do a rare plant fair uh, in October. And we had that on there. And that was a one-off. That was the only one we had. Oh, wow. I wish because we kept it, but. Um... I was going to say, do you find it hard to part with the really super oh, unique ones? Yeah, we, we do, we do, but. It's, pain, it's, it's actually it's like painful I, I was gonna say then it's like giving away a child but i've never done that so <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you just like we we, like, we we host the rare plant fair so we have we have a rare plant fair down at the the actual nursery in october we have one online and we just literally talk about it for months going oh should we should we put that one in a rare plant fair shouldn't we and you just don't want to give them away, but at the mm. same time, you want to make the rare plant fair interesting. But also, like having all these amazing rare plants and just you having them is like a bit selfish. So we kind of like we think about you know our, our customers or, or you know collectors or whatever, and just think, oh, you know, we should just share this because we've got yeah. two. Just <laughs> give away one. <laughs> Um, it's just one and some of the things but yeah and uh, yeah i mean and then, the, then there's other plants that we're like it's so slow growing it's not gonna you know be commercial commercial for us or whatever you know it's or it's unstable you know it's, mm. it's gonna take up a lot of room to just produce some you know good examples of that and or it's just so slow growing that we think it just deserves to go to a home where someone admires it a lot more than what we do mm-hmm. rather than just being part of the collection because we've got loads of plants in our collection it's better to just you know let it let it go to a good home <laughs> yeah. do you That's do you both have thing. um like collections of plants at home or i know a lot of people who work with plants just neglect their own garden or camp sort of they they leave it at work because they kind of don't necessarily need it at home but i think i'd need it at home as well, well when I when I first started collecting, I I wanted them all at home, but because I had I got four little children, well they're a bit bigger now, but at the time when they're little, they just want to grab them all and mm-hmm. tear them apart, and yeah, and that that really hurt me, so I couldn't really have them at home. Oh okay. And I've only only the last few years I've started having them at home in the garden, and it's it's really nice seeing them how how they do and how how they look and. They're just, literally no maintenance you just let them sit there which is great because you don't want to get home from work and go oh no I've got to do the garden now (laughs) but it is like that but but yeah it's I I enjoy it so it's that's the main thing isn't it and I had my allotment going during the lockdown which was really 
really nice. I just thought, oh, the world's coming to an end. Let's just grow as much veg as I can, try and keep the family alive. We ran a beans again for the first time in God knows how many years. And I just sent my mum and dad runner beans once or twice a week in the post because they're up in Guildford. <laughs> And just, my brother was fed up with them because he was staring. He's like, I just can't eat another one of bean. Just <laughs> he stopped sending them. I was like, Mum and Dad love them. You're, you're gonna keep eating them. <laughs> so you also offloaded quite a few on me. Yeah, I, I grew so many. They grew so well in the garden. I think everyone grew so many. The amount of people that were trying to give me runner beans, and I had these other purple beans. And I was like, I'm already overrun with beans. Please do not give me any more. No more beans. <laughs> I was like, oh, you can freeze them. You can freeze them. And I was like, I just don't, like, I've got the tiniest little freezer. I can't store, like, 10 years worth of beans. Yeah, they're not the same when they're frozen. They just lose that little bit of taste, so. But... Yeah, and the texture, I find, just changes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mama, I said, mum, dad, just freeze them. They're like, no, no, they're just completely different. As I, I've tried <laughs> it. Like, yeah, they're right. They're, they're just not, they're not right, so. Um, so for people who are thinking about planting um, succulents in their garden, what yeah. kind of um, like soil conditions do they need? Is it is it better? I'm guessing it's better for them to go for the hardier varieties so they don't need to sort of take them in for the winter. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, there's, there's basically when we give advice about growing succulents outside all year round, you're preparing yourself to get them through the winter rather than thriving in the summer, if that makes sense. And like we talked about earlier, summer aeoniums will, will go summer dormant. So ultra free draining mix, like 50-50 um, grit or perlite. Um, they're not that fussy, so you can just use a standard multi-purpose compost. And then what you're looking to do is you can water more in the summer, but in the winter, you, you know, if it's raining lots, you can't take it away. So you, you're gearing that up. Um, a good thick... <laughs> Um, layer top dress layer of gravel will hold them off the wet soil in the winter and that will help them to not get infections or, or rot because you might get like three days of heavy rain and then the next day is really windy and because you've got the open soil mix it, it will dry the plants out um, and then we use horticultural fleece for the sort of tender plants over the over the winter yeah. so we actually have a thicker micron or whatever you call it fleece than a normal one so it's actually hardy to you know protect them to minus 10 mm -hmm. um so it's just yeah just wrap them up in a in a blanket um and that's there's there's other little methods like angling plants so you know the water can drain out of them but yeah just stick to hardy varieties and just a good open soil mix um you got any more to add to that dan um you but if you've got the hardy varieties you can you can interplant it with um more tender ones so what the ones that you can lift so you can plant them in their pots if you want to do a little display. Oh, okay. So that's quite a good little technique where you can get different textures and colours. But we do, I think we've got at least 30 to 40 really hardy uh, succulents which will survive all winter outside. And, and that's, like we're saying, we're working on more potentially. So within the next five, ten years, you can just plant your whole garden, hopefully anywhere in the UK, and just enjoy it. And be yeah, well, that's hope, hopefully what the symphonians have brought as well. Yeah. I mean, one one thing um, I always try and do is, you know, when I when we I first partnership into the business was I, I took so many plants home to just see if they'd survive, just to try and <laughs> just to um, and also I was looking at where they came from on the planet. Mm. Okay. Know, what height, what height they're they're at as well to 
you know, that's from Mexico, what else grows in Mexico? Is that in the same region? Just to see if there was a, a trend in um, hardiness. Um, there seems to be a trend in color a bit, isn't there? Everything blue that goes pink in the winter. That's another really cool thing about succulents is they, they, they change color due to the amount of food, light and temperatures are in. Mm. Um, so we found that things that uh, go pinky when it gets cold tend to be hard, hardy. Uh. <laughs> hey, really? Yeah. The sugars in their, in, their, in their cells and stuff that they produce to stop them freezing. So it's quite, That's so cool. Just really like Echeveria elegans is a prime example of that for that. Mm. Which goes, it's, it's blue all summer. Then this, as it gets cooler in the winter, it goes this lovely pinky colour. And anyone could grow that. It's pretty hardy. It's probably the most robust Echeveria there is. It's, it's one of my favourites, definitely. It's like... You see, we see so many plants, like we're talking about all the variegated aeoniums being really colourful, this, the other, but you just got these other plants that just sit in the background and then something changes in the weather patterns and it just pops and you're like, oh, that's my new favourite, even though I've had you for years. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's definitely something that I want to incorporate more of into my allotment next year. At the moment, I've got quite a small little, like, rock garden type, um, like, galvanised steel container type thing. Um, with a few sempervivans in but I didn't know until fairly recently that you could get like sort of the bigger succulent plants that are quite like architectural rather than just kind of the little succulents that you see in supermarkets and at the gardens and stuff I just always assumed that they just were a family of small plants yeah they're giant there's some like trees in mm. the yeah. like the garbage as well garbage. yeah Absolutely. Yucca Australia is a brilliant plant because like if you're creating a uh, like a, a hardy area in your garden for succulents to grow, like a yucca Australia, then underplant that with with succulents works really well. And um, we try and do that a lot, don't we, Mark? Yeah, like we do like a lot of our garden designs that we do um it's, it's, it sounds really odd, but we just do like very, they just need very little care and attention so they work really well for like you know what was just being taken over by like holiday lets and things like that so you can plant like a big palm or a big yucca and then that will act as an umbrella for the winter for everything underneath it and then we're talking about you know aeoniums are summer dormant so they're not going to take much away from those plants in the summer because they're dormant and then when it's like winter time, that that gives an umbrella to protect it from the frost. But there's enough water getting through to actually, you know, fuel the aeoniums to grow on. Um, and so it's amazing what you can get away with. You, and all yeah. just, you know, just really rocky, you know, um, you know, Cornish Cornish walls. Like, you know, they're mm. just built with soil and rock. They just live in like next to nothing, and that keeps them really dry. Like cracks in walls, you can plant in. Mm. It's just phenomenal what you can you can get away with really yeah because and also the, the light levels are lower in the winter so that it gets underneath the canopy so the the plants underneath still get a, as much light as they can get in the winter so so it works really well it's quite, quite an impressive display though considering they're so low maintenance it's mm. kind of like a definitely a wow factor um but one of the questions i had was on feeding are they plants that need a lot of feeding, only a little feeding? You said about the colours changing depending on the feeding. So we, we, we kind of see them as normal plants. So mm -hmm. they will need feeding, as will other plants during the growing season. 
So depending on how much you feed them, uh, will make them offset more often, produce more flour. So during the growing season, you can give them, we, even like if you've got like a, a chicken manure pellets, that works really well, just high nitrogen. Um, seaweed uh, feed is, is good. Um, but we, we tend to feed, some, some plants will feed a lot more, like we've got the aloe polyphyla, which is the, is it the oracle or is it the holy grail, Mark? It's, it's, the, the, it's, holy, the, it's the holy grail of all succulents, but when we got filmed for Garden as well, Daniel called it the oracle of all succulents. <laughs> <laughs> but basically the, the aloe polyphyla breaks all the rules of keeping succulents. Like feeding is such an interesting topic because... There's a, you see a lot of things on social media of just starving succulents. And because they're starving, they change color because they're stressed. Oh, so yeah. things like, oh, you know, this is so, so Echeveria stressed. And, and then they put a photo on Instagram. And we're like looking at it like, oh, the poor little thing. And everyone's, everyone just goes nuts about the color sort of thing. But you'll get the same color just when the temperatures drop, when they, they get like stressed by the cold. So oh, no. what, we, the, what, we, yeah, what we try and... Um, teach as such is you know you want them to be healthy plants you want them to grow so feeding more they're going to offset more um they like they're going to flower so not a lot of people know it but um echeveas will flower every year um aeonium some some branch some don't um so some are like monocarpic so they, they will just like flower and that's it but the flowering display you get from powering that plant up will last you for three to four months literally the whole you know whole season and the bees just absolutely love it. Mm. You know, and you just got this, I don't know, the only way to describe it is like a massive scepter of flowers, just this massive thing in your garden, um, just buzzing with bees all day long for months, you know? Um, and there's just there's just so much energy in succulents as well, isn't there, Dan? Like, yeah, they, they, they produce nectar. I think they reproduce every three hours. So the bee will come, drink it, and then three hours later, bee will fill up again. So. It's like a proper pub for them, so they love it. So. Yeah, and then the the holy grail of all succulents is thirsty. It's hungry, but it also needs some um, air to the root system. So that needs a, a, like an even more open mix, maybe like sixty forty of drainage, um, different size drainage. Um, super hungry. You can do like more high nitrogen feeds to get sort of bigger growth but like for example the aloe polyphyla will flower every year um it's not monocarpic um and literally the flowers just drip with nectar it's like really sweet if you taste it Are you really um, yeah you can it, like i don't know like you i was gonna say like you could probably get like half a teaspoon off the flowers that open each day like all, like a little drip from each one sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's proper probably, sweet it just yeah. like you get like five or six drips when you're not by it. Like, oh, I'm going the <laughs> tunnel. Mark's drinking out of them. Mark, <laughs> that. That's not how you hybridize. That's why you call yeah. it a pub. Pub flowers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah it's, it's yeah. You can just talk about feeding. You can just talk and talk and all. But just generally, you could just use a slow, a slow release fertilizer. That's what we do with our, our garden design to make it low maintenance. So you're just going to have the correct soil mix, like free draining. <laughs> A six months slow release fertilizer to so feed um, between spring and autumn and then um just weed your garden like it's literally the things you do are just designed to be admired another interesting topic is they need to run out of food before the temperatures get cold because mm -hmm. they're they're lush if they're fed if they're, they're growing so you want them to kind of harden off um and you know sort of 
toughen up for the winter. So they're not trying to do anything. They're literally going like, you know, I've had a good season. It's time to chill. But then you've got the aliens that grow in the winter. <laughs> and the war there and stuff. So yeah, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, but even if they, you know, if the aliens run out of food, they'll just they'll still be, you know, tougher for winter and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's it it, it like it depends on what succulents you're talking about, but just in general. Mm -hmm. So you definitely need to get to know each one of your plants very personally. I think I think with our with our customers or collectors or, or whatever, they they do you just sway to a certain type. Like Hawthias are really interesting, um, really slow growing. Um, they normally grow in sort of tight rock crevices in really like dry, arid places. So they're growing season in the winter, but they also um, make really great indoor plants. Mm -hmm. they're really um, and they're, they're translucent as well. So you, they, they're known as window or crystal plants because the leaves are actually see free. So you get the sun like beaming through and uh, and you can just literally look into the into the plant. But, uh, but because they grow in these weird locations, they have the tiniest flowers, but the flower spikes about three or four foot high. So oh, you wow. get this like this blade of grass coming out with these tiny little flowers on the top, which is, is really cool. So it depends who you are, what, where you want to grow them, um, how much room you've got, how much like you, know, you want to collect everything because it is a bit like pokemon isn't it you've got to collect them all some people you know they've just got like everything masses of greenhouses um must be pokemon master then i've collected too many over the years and yeah, that's, that's how that's how surreal succulent started from dan's obsession you know this the most weird thing is mark moved into a house randomly in the middle of cornwall right next door to where i set up surreal succulents no way how random is that? The yeah. whole of Cornwall you could face. I moved here <laughs> 15 feet away where I set my first greenhouse up. Wow. Yeah. I can see I can see the location where Surreal Succulents was born from my new house. So I moved here last week. It's just it's crazy. It's, crazy it's literally fate. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's moved so I, I didn't I didn't answer my I didn't answer the, the gardening question about growing things at home. So oh yeah. I, I do grow lots of things at home and I've got massive plans for this place because it's got it's like an old um converted barn but it's also the the owners before bought two like small fields next to us mm. so i've got like you know it's going to take years and years until it's done and finished but i've got like big plans for going at home but in um in lockdown i just on my on the house i recently just moved from um i just finished building an extension it, it was just chaos like it started renovating the house had a baby on the way Oh, wow. um, it didn't get finished. Uh, I ended up living at um, Dan's mum's house <laughs> and um, with his brothers and stuff. And then um, we moved in when uh, my daughter was six months old. And then when she was nine months, lockdown happened and the garden was literally 40 tons of building waste. Um, and we had to move it all by hand because she started walking as well. So you like you felt so guilty that she had no, no garden to go in. So we basically moved... 40 tons of rubble to the back of the garden, piled it up, I had to wait for like a grab lorry to come and get it. But then we set the garden up and sort of, uh, it was half succulent mix because my my partner loves flowery stuff. So I had to kind of design in the, the stuff that she liked, but yeah, grew a lot of plants um, at home just, and it's also like experiments for the business as well. I do a lot of tests and trials and, um, yeah, I can't wait to get stuck into this new garden so I can get some giant palms 
and just have really mature like um, succulent beds underneath and then yeah just look over the wall to where it all began <laughs> <laughs> that garden sounds insane like yeah I'm, I'm half tempted to try a naturally filtered swimming pond oh wow because that's like a trendy thing in them is in like cold water immersion and this that other um so part of me saying that that can be the flowery bit <laughs> like lilies and and like cool stuff with with palm backdrop yeah you um, don't want yeah. to get out and sit on a, an agave do you really no no be straight back in that pond yeah yeah but yeah it's, it's it's interesting to like now i've got the space but also i want to do like giant giant rockeries like boulder rockeries if you know what i mean mm-hmm. just like like a cliff edge or you know like just collect some massive rocks over the next couple of years and then plant them up and it sounds like you're building cornwall's next big garden (laughs) (laughs) well it's just move over eden project mark's gardens here (laughs) it's about half an acre something like that i don't know it it wraps around three sides of the house which is cool Mm. so um the sun At the minute, the sun's setting in straight in front of the house in winter, so it shows we can we can grow a lot. And then obviously it will move over to the right in the in the summer. So it's it's sort of I what, what aspect is it down south, west, southeast? Um, yeah, south, 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 west facing. I think it is. Yeah, so a sunny garden. Perfect. <laughs> he gets he, in the summer. He'll get sun in his back garden. So we're in the garden. So, so it rises, rises to the left, and then just creeps around to the right throughout the whole day. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, and yeah, I've collected rare palms for years as well. Just they were meant to go in my other house, but then when I had a child, they were a bit spiky. Mm-hmm. Um, some agaves as well. So we've got like loads of you know cool cool stuff to get in amongst it i also grow orchids <laughs> hey really how do well, you find so, growing the orchids i mean it's one of those things that if, if you love to grow them i feel like you're really passionate about it i just i i don't understand them well i, quite, yeah. I, I say i say I, I say i grow them but they don't grow anymore <laughs> basically I was, I was growing them, um i was growing up at my mum's house for years and they grew really well and like i could get them to flower and i had like the like some quite rare stuff it was hard to flower and everything just flowered i think it's because it was like quite a sort of damp house oh. <laughs> like a granite granite house and then when i when i renovated my recent house i just moved out of that was like high energy performance blah, blah, blah whatever nothing grew everything just should i'm dying and I was, I was trying to work it out but also my daughter like unpotted them daily <laughs> I don't think they enjoyed that so but I'm quite excited to get back into like it because I, I did have a giant orchid a, a grammatophyllum scriptum which is quite rare and then I lent it to a friend who's really good at horticulture to look after it um, while I renovated my house but then he somehow killed it who was that I couldn't I can't imagine who that was um oh, he's only succulent down not orchid down <laughs> <laughs> was an awkward situation at the end of that so yeah, it's, very, it's, very, it's gone a bit awkward conversation yeah. yeah i've been trying to find that plant ever since like for three years now like every plant show straight to the orchid society 
have you got this? Could you get it for me? Do you know anyone who's got one? Could you source it? So I never like, and um, I found it really easy the first time when I wasn't that into orchids. So it's a giant. Um, and now everybody's into plants. It's impossible. One of the, yeah, yeah mm. it's one of the giant orchids that um, would be like a, you know, feel like half a conservatory sort of thing. And it, it flowers. Oh, wow. has like a lemon fragrance flower. I'll have so, to look that up. I've never seen orchids that big. Mm. Grammatophyllum scriptum, I think. Mm. Var, var scriptum, if you want to be like proper. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, some, some of my orchids, um, like when they flower, they smell like vanilla cheesecake. It's really cool. Hey, really? Yeah, I've got some dendrobiums. Um, I've this, also got... I got so you into orchids a little bit as well, Dan, didn't I? I used to I just... My, I had my, um, my sweet memory. Sweet, what is it called? Sweet... Sweet memory, sweet, yeah. Sweet memory, yeah. Um, which is Alanopsis. Um, Alanopsis sweet memory, which is just your standard um, orchid that you buy at Tesco's or anything. But it, it, it was a scented one, and that's that's really nice. It flowered. It, it flowered just as I was leaving to go to Chelsea, and I said to my wife, "Look, just think, of, just look at the flower, and just think of me when I'm <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm away." So, but yeah, Aww. but she, yeah, she cut Did the flower. She? Did she? she cut the flowers off. The flowers off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. They last. They last until like last week, so a couple of weeks ago. So, I um so was given. I was given an orchid to save from someone else who'd saved it from someone else. And when it came to me, it was like at like a ninety degree angle pointing outwards. Yes. And then it had like a weird one that had gone a bit haywire. And I took it home and all the flowers fell off and I was like, great, I've killed it already. But um, I trimmed both of them down to the bottom and I have got one stem with like five flowers on it at the moment. But it oh keeps, nice. the leaves keep going a little bit yellow and then it you know, kind of comes what, back for a bit. What type is it? Is it Phalaenopsis, like the normal one? Yes, I think so. Because the I only water them when the roots are silver. Yes, someone's and told then, me about this. When you do water it, um, soak it, but also um, look in the middle of the root ball because the mm -hmm. supermarkets kind of they come with a sponge because obviously they're grown in hot countries. So I had to, to cut that out when I yeah, first remove, repotted remove it. That sponge because I think it rots them. Oh, okay. That's why people fail with orchids because they've got this sponge because they're grown in like I don't know, Thailand or somewhere. And that's always wet. Yeah, mm. and that just rots them from the inside out. Um, so on the topic of um that's what makes those plants fail what is the number one thing you think with succulents it's got to be overwatering. oh uh, yeah yeah especially during the winter overwatering is 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 definitely one that was special uh, we'll we'll get especially echeveras you can really if you get water in the crowns it's too cold and also no air movement as well will cause a lot of death mm. in, in succulents so Air movement's crucial, especially during the winter. So, but yeah, let them let them shut right down. Even let the leaves go a bit shrivelly, shriveled up on on the outer leaves during the winter. Oh, really? Yeah, it's better to have like a really tight rosette because by the by the time you get them um, to the end of the end of the summer, you can get this plant to treble in size or quadruple in size. So, so just just need a piece of plant to get through to the spring, mm -hmm. and then. Go away again. 
What does it mean when it goes really like leggy? My mum's got, I couldn't tell you what type of succulent it is, but it was a really dense plant and then a kind of stem came out and it was very few and far between on the, are they called leaves? Would you call yeah. them a leaf? Yeah, I'll call, I'll call, I'll call oh, Okay, I'll call. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so a lot, that happens a lot with um, Echovera Duchess of Nuremberg, which is the pink variety mm-hmm. that got them. They, they will do that naturally because if they're growing indoors, they'll look for the light. So they'll mm-hmm. go on a step to get to the light. So in nature, they'll be in a cliff face. And one of the leaves might fall off. It might start growing in a, in a rock crevice. And then it'll reach out to get to the light. So you mm-hmm. can just, you just call it chop and drop. They cut the stem, drop it in a fresh compost mix. The plant will love it for that. Will love, will love you for that. And it will just start growing and get nice and big again. Okay. But yeah. We just call it chop and drop. We did. We've yes. done a on on that on, on Instagram as well. So yeah, it's, it's basically reaching reaching for more light. Um, so you can either grow it in a cooler conditions to slow it down because that's what a lot of people do is they get succulents um, and you you've grown it inside and then you have got your heating on for the winter but you haven't mm-hmm. got the light levels. So you can either supplement that with a grow light to keep it compact or move it to somewhere that's that's cooler that's going to you know shut the plant down so you can like you you, you can just like put them in a conservatory um a porch um or just you know just somewhere unheated because the heat's just going to you know keep making that plant want to live um also soil mix is probably why people fail the most as well because they'll just repot it in new soil without the the aeration without the grit mm-hmm. or the perlite so that's probably uh, and also a lot of a lot of plants that people would just buy in a supermarket they've you know they've been growing commercially they're not necessarily in the right soil mix it's just what they're like is cheapest for the the, the commercial nursery mm. um and also they, they can control their water in as well so they might they might be in a hotter place um that that you can get away with a, a more heavier less free draining soil because it will dry out quicker because it's hotter and then my other question that i had was succulents from seed is it worth trying to grow succulents from seed at home or is it one of those things that is best left to the professionals oh yeah just leave it to professionals yeah (laughs) (laughs) um i i think experimenting with plants is 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 key for everyone like if you Mm want to try doing them from seed then that is that's because you're really interested in that kind of thing and i think that will encourage you to so like if you've grown something from seed it just it gives you that extra special feeling as well 100 like mark grew his allopolyphylus from seed even hey, really? when touch his plants he's, he loves them so much because they're his babies yeah yeah well so well, my yeah. sister's getting married next year and she wants succulents as her um wedding favors table decorations and some for her bouquets and she was like oh so say like 250 guests like do you think we can grow them from seed and I was like I don't really know because it's not something I've ever done before and I have literally no knowledge on uh depending on what what variety but Mm. there are that you can grow from seed so that will be ready for this time next what what time of the year next September is it August end of August yeah so if you do it now, you might right. have a chance. Very likely. <laughs> Try it and then we can all <laughs> 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 Um 
Dan, you missed you missed the part of your um, seed story. What was that then? So we um, another, no, another no, thing no. while we're on the topic of seeds, another thing to mention is um, uh, on this one. I'm, I'm just going to let my dog out of me. He wants to go for. <laughs> He's just crying on, in the background. On the on the topic of seeds, like there's a lot of endangered um, succulents. So you need to really know where your seeds are coming from. Oh, okay. Um, for example, Dan was talking about the allopolyphyla. So allopolyphyla is, um, the, as we've already discussed, the oracle and holy grail of all succulents. <laughs> um, it's highly to minus 15. It's it's fantastic plant, but it's um, in decline in habitat. So it's pollinated okay. by um, a hummingbird. And because the the you know deforestation, whatever, it's, it's, um, it's just not getting pollinated in the wild. Um, so that plant is... We, we produce it in-house because we managed to have allopolyphyla before it became endangered in the collection. Um, but a lot of people just, you know, they're stripping seeds out of the wild and things like that. Um, so just make sure you, you know, you are getting it from a, you know, proper sustainable source. Um, but back to the, the seed, the allopolyphyla grew from seed. We went to, uh, we went to Horticultural College to get um, a bit more knowledge into kind of growing seeds in controlled climates. So we, we experiment, experiment with like agar gel, um, chopping the seeds in half, like did, did all these other experiments. And then we took some seeds home to see if you could get them to germinate first. And I won. So there's three <laughs> of us. There's Lou that works at our, our nursery um, outlet and there's myself and Daniel. And I think my were the only seeds that germinated out of all of us, weren't they? They were no. definitely the first, which is how I won. Um, but yeah, I got 10, 10 of the first allopolyphyla seeds from our collection um, to germinate on my windowsill, which is really hard. It's a really hard thing to do anyway. Um, well, I had good um, temperatures, but I didn't have really had the temperatures in my house. So. But I've, I've still got all those, I've got all those 10 plants. Um, I only put three in my last house. I dug them up to, to bring them with me. I've got the other seven at the nursery, um, but they'll definitely be going in in my new my new garden here. That feels like a big competition win. That <laughs> we we do lots of uh, yeah, definitely we do lots of a lot, and that's probably the only one Mark ever won. Yeah. <laughs> so well done, Mark. Yeah. Just had to put I had to put that one out there, you know, because I lost yeah. all the other ones pretty much. What was your What was your hack? How it was? Did you say it was the temperatures? I was yeah. I just no. I just I talk to my seeds and get them more love than Dan gave his seeds, and I'm just better. <laughs> Very modest. I told him how to do it. <laughs> so actually, I won. No, <laughs> we're all winners. I'll tell actually... you what. I'll take that competition story, and I will get everyone in my family to try and germinate the same seeds that I try and germinate for these these so weddings. If you fail, so, yeah. then you've got some. But you're going to have guarantee at least some someone to do it. Yeah, my sister is actually, she's not very good at keeping plants alive once they're proper plants. But seed to seedling stage, she do, actually does quite quite a good job. And a lot I send a lot of things to her house, like my sweet peas that the mice would have eaten in my greenhouse. I've got right. her to sow them all. She's kept them on her balcony and they actually look better than any sweet peas I've ever grown before. So well done, Tanya. We, we've got We've got <laughs> one of those mice at our nursery. Oh really? Yeah, he's got very expensive taste. He just eats rare stuff. 
this um we tried to get hold of um oxalis parmifrons for years like it's, it's a plant it's like considered like a succulent but it's also like considered an air plant but basically it's 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 it looks like me oh, oh yeah like it looks like palm trees if you're flying in an airplane looking down that's why mm. it's that's why i call it anyway it's probably another latin technical term but yeah managed to get hold of 100 bulbs after four years of hunting for them and yeah put them all up and then the next day like a mouse had eaten about 70 of them oh no just crazy wasn't it i was just like oh my god you're kidding me so did you know about the my the mouse beforehand or was that the no, first um, we do now well, we, kind of, we kind of do and then there's um have you ever heard of the plant unicorn poo no so it's a, it's a new plant we've been propagating for ages. It's basically a variegated, variegated cotyledon orbiculata, but there's two forms. You get a long leaf form and a plump leaf form. Um, and the plump leaf form is like really rare. I'm talking like a tiny plant would, would sell for hundreds. Um, yeah, so we've got it, been propagating it, and then, yeah, just come in like, hey, these aren't looking good. What's going on? And then like, close look, a mouse just took a bite out of... <coughs> Every single one. So they were, we were meant to release them this year, and we didn't because of the mice. And then also, um, I was in Spain and I managed to find a really rare um, psycho that come out of someone's collection. So it was Psycad paragonensii or paragonensis. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It had it flowered and it had oh, germinated yeah. seeds in it. And I was like, I've got to buy, it, I've got to buy. It. Like it's got loads of seeds. And then, uh, yeah, I had to like import that back from Spain, like to eight months till we had it. And then came and had the seeds. And I was like, yeah, amazing. And then like literally a week later, I go back to, we thought I oh, would let the, you know, let the plant bed in, get used to the climate and then we'll have a go at the seeds. And literally it was just the NBC pods and the mouse of that, all of them as well. <laughs> oh no. So we should buggers. just get a, a nursery cat or, or something. Yeah. But we don't get a mouse trap either, do we? Because you're kind of like... They look so cute. Tight on the mouse. They cute. are really cute. Yeah. Yeah. We, I don't think we've ever killed a mouse. Like, we just um, just got to learn to live with them. Like, put stuff on shelves and... Yeah. There is a lot of things you can do to keep them away. There are, yeah. 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 I've just put in some shelves that they can't climb up and it's solved some of my problems. So, if exactly. they just stop eating my lupins, I'll be happy. Oh, they love it. and rabbits as well. We've, we've got a few rabbits, but well, not really, not really an issue. But if we put stuff outside, oh, they're, starting, they're starting to come out more. Dan, I've seen more rabbits than ever this year. Oh, more uh, okay. Did, yeah. did they show up? I tell us weird while on this like random subject. Um, whilst we're in lockdown, the like nature, like animals and birds and bees, like so much more just appeared, didn't it? Oh, massively. I'm going to sound really weird saying this, but to me as well, that the air went clearer. It 100% did. See, bam, just so much, so many more animals just through like humans staying in for a bit. <laughs> yeah, but they, there was loads of um, reports in the news, wasn't there, of like these abandoned streets with like the wildlife had come out and people hadn't yeah. seen it in like decades. The deer walking through the streets and yeah, yeah. And like the amazing. foxes like reclaiming their territory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was because it was, we we went in lockdown. We obviously we had to go to work still, and we we're kind of like the one of the only vehicles on the road. 
the, oh, so uh, nice. can't work from home, then then go to work. Mm-hmm. We couldn't, couldn't let the plants just die. No. So we still work and go in. And it was amazing. The roads were clear. I just wish I filmed it. Yeah. yeah. In and out. It's like... Yeah. We but, went to extraordinary lengths to keep our business going through the pandemic. Mm. It was just like... It's just bond. So we basically um, employ about seven people. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were too scared to work, so they they didn't work. Um, and then we bubbled we bubbled the teams into two, so that if and we, and we worked on you know on different sites as well as social distance and all of that. So basically, the, the the idea was if one team go down, the other team can step in to keep it all going, but. It just killed us, man. It was just like, because yeah. things were so awkward. Like, the, it was like, um, one of the things I remember the most was like, I came to work and I'm like, oh yeah, it's like virus things all kicking off. And then the next day, it's like, you have to social distance. And like, you come in and Dan's like, get away from me. Like, <laughs> don't What's come near me. It? Stay over there. <laughs> it was just really treat- weird. Just scared of each other, like instantly overnight. Mm. Just treat everyone really, like really hard. Yeah. It's re- really hard when you're trying to list like a massive, like yucca or something yeah <laughs> i can imagine i feel like this is a film in the making i can literally i can see it <laughs> <laughs> but no it's, we're, we're, pandemic yeah. plants <laughs> yeah really, we were so lucky and our team was just so amazing with everything because we we just felt real because everyone got more into plants as well mm-hmm. and we started doing like our instagram lives and we just wanted to help people as much as much as you could and the team felt that as well and it's just like bonkers the the lengths that everyone went to just to get mm. get through that but we got through it well we're getting we just, through it even the survival mode didn't we we just worked <sighs> the hour under the sun and yeah. and like when i got back home i was still doing my allotment i was i just didn't stop and we, we obviously we didn't have any holidays because no one could go on holiday so we just we just worked as much as we could. We just felt we yeah. had to work. Our nurses stayed the same size. Our teams got smaller, and yeah. our teams couldn't do everything because they just we had to sort of stay in isolated from each other. So it's like fifteen hour days. Um, like say, I did my shifted my forty tons of building waste <laughs> and tried to build a garden. I don't know. You just you just like it, it's, it was quite good fun at the start. I thought just once you get your head around like. Mm. what was going on like the actual for me I loved it because we like me and my partner worked apart because she has her own business and she was up up and down to London a lot so we came back to just be a family for the first time Mm -hmm. because it was it was quite weird because I'll go away for the shows and um you know we'd see each other like every couple of weeks at least um but we just got like we were just like family first time my daughter started work walking you know, the first part of it, I really enjoyed once she once she stopped fearing what was going on. Like yeah. the home the home side of it was really cool, and then everyone, I don't know, like a like a a plant community just grew like globally. <laughs> you know, yeah. Was, yeah, just did loads on Instagram as well. Like people was asking so many questions, and mm. we started doing our Instagram lives. It's something we'd always talked about, wasn't it? But um. Mm. never did we just had like all of our plants ready for chelsea and we wanted really wanted to show our parents because both um our parents like and dan's as well were considered vulnerable Mm -hmm. so we couldn't just you know um 
didn't want to go near them just fearing that worse would happen sort of thing so we we, we kind of phone them up it's like oh download instagram create a profile and we're going to do a, a, a live and just even if our parents just watch <laughs> they can see how cool our plants are sort of thing. oh that's had, brilliant like the first it was the year we we're meant to go to chelsea and, and we'd been growing stuff to try and time the flowering right and we had like everything in flower so we had like yucca restratas in flowers at different sizes we had like a whole massive range of aims and the next may it wasn't it wasn't as good as that first one so we basically did a virtual we, we got asked to write an article for the virtual chelsea mm-hmm. for the rhs we did that and then we, we hosted our own virtual chelsea which was quite cool because we like people just have to see this and that was when i don't we did the planning different as well didn't we dan because we just had so much in flower we just tried to cram it all in and we only yeah. just used a small space in our polytunnels but we just did this like layering that was just crazy and we're just like a day building it didn't we just getting it all yeah. ready for instagram put a lot of effort into some of our, yeah, some of our lives but we, yeah we spent the whole day before building it um and just stopped and looked up and we're just like oh my god look at it we're just like crazy just in silence just taking loads of photos on our phones not even talking to each other like get out of the way get out of the way <laughs> it was just what people needed though yeah yeah such lovely weather didn't we like the weather was perfect on the first lockdown and it was just everybody got wanted to, wanted to be outside and that was their fix and that really helped everyone through if we didn't have that nicer weather then it would have been quite quite difficult because this spring was really cold really it was cold really cold. It was cold until uh, june mm-hmm. it was I, did it ever get warm <laughs> I don't remember yeah. ever getting hot. We had that heat wave, didn't we? Where we, we were in the sea every day. I think we, we just came back from Hampton Court, haven't we? We had that heat wave. There's it was probably like 30, the 31 at night. <laughs> down oh, down yeah. here, that was hot for down here. And we don't usually get that kind of heat down here. Yeah. And there was no wind. No wind. Mm. It was actually, I actually um, I got invited to stay at a, a luxury lodge on the beach. A three mile beach at Gwydion and it's like it was just perfect like they had um the beach is just there you could go surfing there's hot tubs like really nice house to to stay in with with family it was really cool so I really enjoyed that the only time it was hot we definitely made the most of it yeah <laughs> we're lucky usually we're at Hampton Court just dying of the heat in a massive <laughs> Was it was it the first year or the second year down that it was boiling? First first year, yeah, it was. It was thirty five Celsius. We 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 got there the first day because we because we don't like leaving Cornwall much. We try and just rock up and set it up as quick as possible. So as opposed to working like four days at pace, we literally just try and do like two fifteen or sixteen hour days. Yeah, that was the second year. The first year. Yeah. We rocked up one year and we had two days to set up our display garden and it was just boiling and you you were really struggling in the heat. So I, was laughing, I was laughing at Dan so he much. Well. He was just, I was, I was hot and sweaty, but you know, I like going to the beach. I didn't mind. You were just like, oh, can we have a break? Can we have a break? Like literally just searching for some, some cold air. I needed a break. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we also felt really lucky that we had succulents because they weren't, you know, they were just loving it sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Their plants are like eight or nine times a day. But yeah, we had to we had to set the garden up in a in a day. And then when the show opened, it was like boiling, like disgustingly boiling. Like people were fainting. 
god things like that it was really yeah. like it was nuts wasn't it it was yeah they were, they were fainting not because our garlands looked amazing it was because it was so hot <laughs> could be easily <laughs> easily disguised as something else though yeah we did make that joke when we knew they were okay but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just and that yeah but it's not been it's not been we've not we've had it quite lucky since then. i mean the, the show's been cancelled but last time it was, it was quite cold wasn't it hampton court it was, yeah. yeah, and it was. They kept giving like weather warnings. Like, I think I came prepped with like wellies, a raincoat, a summer dress, and then it actually it was like fairly warm, but you still had to wear wellies because it was really slippery and mushy from like the two days before. But then Chelsea was really sunny. Yeah, but it was. It wasn't too hot though, was it? Cause it was no, because it was September. Yeah, yeah. But it was beautiful weather. It was like that kind of. It had Chelsea been put off for such a long time. And then it was just like the sun shone for the show. And then the week after the weather broke, didn't it? And the winds came in. And it was just, it was just meant to be, wasn't it? It was all yeah. perfect. I was laughing the other day because um, in the summer, must have been like the end of July, I threw like a garden party at my allotment and it was forecast 100% chance of rain for like the entire week. But every day it was sunny and I was like, oh, it's going to be sunny. It's going to be sunny. And then on the Saturday night, it uh, the Saturday afternoon, I'd got sunburnt because it was so sunny, but we'd got a marquee just in case anyway for Sunday because it still said 100% chance of rain. And I have never seen rain like it. It was like <laughs> biblical scenes, absolutely yeah. tipping it down. I had like 20 people at the allotment, like stood under this little marquee. There was like 15 of us crammed into the shed, like trying to shelter from the smoke because the fire wouldn't stay lit. And then last weekend, the weekend before, I had a little um, like cook up at the allotment on a Sunday afternoon. Bearing in mind it's December, but it was beautiful, absolutely perfect weather. You couldn't have asked for any better. And I was like, couldn't couldn't have had it in July, but December the weather is literally perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been amazing. It? Like I we went to the beach and like went to the beach in November. Mm. It's like sitting there and you know it's like get, it's, it's hot it's hot enough to just go swimming and, and do everything it's been amazing like they say uh, like there's more focus on climate change and things like this but i think it's has it always been like this because it's never really been i mean the cornwall's never been that seasonal do you know, it never really gets cold cold or hot hot it's mm. in the past we've had less we was more predictable we didn't used to get these frosts like the beach from the east. We didn't used to get those. We we had years because when I when my previous jobs we worked I worked as a gun on St Michael's Mount, and we didn't have any frosts we didn't, until the last five years of me working there. And it was hey, wow. it was it was weird how the how the climate had changed. And I think because it's disrupted the weather patterns around the world. Cold air is getting further down, like in America. It's really pushing down the continent, isn't it? Like you're getting freak snowstorms in Florida and places like that, where well they call it the polar vortex, which is is not not working to its full capacity, and that's why this cold air is pushing down over the western side of Europe, where we're meant to be quite mild, and we're not. We get these easterly winds, and we're not. We when did we we didn't get any storms in October, which you usually get full on like storms from september all the way through to october we didn't get any storms it was like summer in october which is just we had um weird. we had snow in in the 80s though dan in the, in the yeah but you you do get back you do in the day get, 
you do get, but you, you, I think we're getting it a bit more now. I know that uh, there was a lot of, when I was lifeguarding, there was a lot of talk of the jet stream changing and that changing a lot mm. of the surf and the weather patterns that we were getting. Yeah, and the, I, think it just, I think it's just like a cycle because it, you know, it did snow when I grew up, and then it's never snowed again since. Like that, like Cornwall absolutely stops when it snows. <laughs> um, but only it only snows snows for a day, like, and also in, in, in Penzance is weirder again. Like I, I used to work at a university, and then it started snowing, and everyone just panicked. We got sent home from work. And it was it was fairly heavy snow around Falmouth and stuff. And then I was, I was literally driving back, living in Penzance at the time. And then I got to Penzance. There wasn't one ounce of snow. It was just really random. We get really that a lot here, where like yeah. where I live, you're getting absolutely no snow, but you drive 15 minutes out of like the town centre, and it's like six inches. Yeah, right. Really? Like, oh, cool. <laughs> Glad we missed that. Yeah, we we walked in. From the beast from the east, I, I live about 10 miles away from the no, no, not 10 miles, three or four miles. <laughs> walked all the way in from, from my house just to check on the plants, didn't we? We both walked in. I, I, moved, I moved back into my mum's house to, to be close to the nursery. Hmm. Just just for the beast in the east. Yeah, just for that week. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Dan would walk in, we try and get some fuel for some heaters from <laughs> Tesco's. Um, don't talk about when I tried to siphon out of the van. Brilliant. <laughs> Didn't taste very nice. Yeah, we just walk up and just try I've never and seen anyone and down petrol like them up. Pony diesel. How it came out drink as well, isn't it? But yeah, we we lost um, three plants in the Beeston East. That's pretty impressive. We, to be we, fair, we didn't lose like we and we also we gave up on trying to heat our tunnels as well because. These like space. space heaters, but they just broke after like ten minutes of running. So yeah, so we just... went up there, we checked on them, we made a few snow angels, and then went home again. So yeah. worth the walk. I'm glad yeah. that it wasn't ten miles. That would have been a hell of a long way to have walked. Like ten miles, because Mark's like, pick me up from my. I was like, Mark, I'm walking. I'm not picking. <laughs> like, maybe maybe do a detour just so you can hold my hand on the way to the nursery. <laughs> it definitely be interesting to see what the weather does over the next few years um mm. and see whether it is a bit of a cycle or whether things are going to drastically change yeah mm. yeah it's it is it is worrying especially if if it does if we do get more frost but that's that's kind of like what we're working on what we're working on so, mm -hmm. so. preparing for the future for me exactly. the winters have, have definitely gone drier oh yeah, yeah. Well, then not that wind. I know we've had a couple of storms, but usually you get storm rolling in after after one another, like a weekly cycle. But we're we've not had, getting that. Storm. We're getting winds at Christmas, but they'll, they'll be mild. It'll be mild Christmas this year. So mm -hmm. no worry about frosting then. So the spring, we were talking about spring earlier. Spring was cold, but it was dry. Yeah, it was, it was quite dry. a dry spring for, for Cornwall. Yeah, yeah. Which is good for succulents because it's something we never covered earlier. I don't know if we did or not, but a dry cold is so much different than a wet cold for the plants to survive. Like we talked mm. about earlier about the, the right soil mix. And that was another good thing that fleece does is keep them 
um, drier for the winter because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of plants in their natural habitat will go to sort of minus 10 like the echeveras and things like that in the desert but it's a dry cold not a, a wet cold yeah so many things to think about um i'm definitely going to come down and visit though in the spring and then i will make a start on my little succulent corner try and time it with our grand gold opening at um tremendous yeah. sculpture gardens so. oh amazing yeah, we're trying to we're trying to because chelsea was in september we never got to do our you know big display garden at, at the nursery we're going to do this this year's roundup like, mm-hmm. so we're going to combine all the the planting and the new plants and stuff that we did at all the shows and do like just kick the season off with a grand opening show our chelsea gold medals or medal and um try and have like a bit of wine a bit of food put a little spread on for everyone and just um yeah have a nice just, time. Uh, and yeah have all, new, have our all our new plants um it'll be at some point in april we'd love to say a date but we're not mm-hmm. that organized <laughs> you're well, under the hat yeah i'll pencil yeah. april in as a as a whole month yeah. <laughs> keep keep april free there yeah. you go yeah. I think I've got a plan on the 2nd of April, so if we can try and avoid that one day, that'd be great. Oh, we would definitely want to be at the start of April. Definitely going to do that. <laughs> Probably scraping scrape at the end. But yeah, we're going to... It's like it's the cool thing as well about making the nursery, like, just have good vibes as well. Like, people love coming down. There's, there's a great restaurant there as well. So it's like a bit of a day out. So you've got the gardens, the mm. restaurant. Amazing. My mum will be... My mum will be absolutely buzzing. She'll be who I bring with me on my trip. Um <laughs> But she'll probably be more excited than I am, even though I love plants ten times more than her. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is cool down there. It will get hopefully our display will make it a bit cooler. Definitely. And although we could one hundred percent carry on chatting for another couple of hours, I think we'll wrap it up there. And just thank you so much for taking the time. This has been so interesting. I've got a whole pad full of notes, um, right. and I can't wait to listen back and make some more notes on all of the different names that I will never remember. But I can write down afterwards. <laughs> well, thank you for having us as well. Yeah, I know, we, I know, we, um, a bit disorganised, and we missed you the first time, but we've we've managed it, and it's great. I've had fun. Have you had fun, Dan? I've yeah, really enjoyed it. So yeah, been, brilliant. That's been... what I liked here. It was it was worth the wait. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, your listeners think that as well. <laughs> I'm sure they will. I know lots of people that are going to be very excited for this episode to come out. So it's the season finale for 2021. Well, the banger. Yes. <laughs> it's the one people will be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, brilliant. Well, have a great Christmas and a good new year, you and all the listeners. And thank you for having us. Thanks, you too. We'll uh, chat again soon. All right. Thank you. I learned so much from Mark and Daniel in the final podcast of the season and I can't wait to visit them in 2022 and of course start building my very own succulent haven. They're so knowledgeable and passionate with an insane selection of plants so definitely head over to their Instagram to check out more at surreal underscore succulents. And that wraps up season two. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has downloaded, listened to, reviewed, shared the podcast this year. It really was a dream come true and I have loved each and every guest that's been on. Finally, I'd also like to say a massive thank you to the team at Draper Tools who have been such fantastic sponsors. Here's to plants and pals in 2022. 
If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. In the meantime, I'd love to hear any of your questions on Instagram at Diary of a Lady Gardener. That's all from me for this season. Happy growing!